This morning, we're continuing with our series called By Popular Demand. And I believe it was said in, in one of the past um, sermons by Pastor Mark, he said, this doesn't mean that it's an all-request weekend, which I kind of had to laugh, where you uh, you know just submit your requests and, hey, that's what we'll do this weekend. That's actually not at all what it is. But, but what it is is it's a series just saying these are the things that seem to constantly come up um, when people interact with pastors. So, so as pastors, we hear about a number of things. Um, and so this morning, today, we're going to be discussing a topic that I think might be one of the number one subjects of conversations, it seems like, that people have um, with pastors all the time. But before I get into that, I want to start with a story. Some of you are already laughing. Um, before I came to Portview, I had the privilege of being a school teacher for seven years. And every year, a couple times a year, we had conferences. How many of you are familiar with conferences? Okay. That's right. For some of you, you're twitching because you have bad memories of conferences and you dreaded conferences. But, but as a teacher, conferences were great. Um, anytime you could have a conversation with parents about a student's educational progress, Man, that's a great opportunity. And so every year, though, there was one specific conference time I would always learn the most about each student. And it was the fall conferences. Fall conferences, right when school started. During the fall conferences in the schools where I taught, you had to meet with each parent no matter what. And so these conferences were usually held in October. And so we would have, I would have only had their child for a short amount of time. And I always made it a priority to build a positive student-teacher relationship in the beginning of the school year. This always made for better academic success as the year went on. And so I really looked forward to these fall conferences to learn more about each student. And, and over those seven years, I met with hundreds of moms and dads and grandparents and students. And, and you know what I found out? I found out that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. I mean, really. It doesn't. And, for example, I had a third grader, and right away I noticed in the beginning of the year that he was slow in everything he did. I mean, not just slow, but like painfully slow. Like it almost was hard to watch him do something, because he was doing it, but you, I, I just couldn't find another gear for the kid. I don't know, I don't know why. And so I, I couldn't help him find that faster gear. And so seeing as though this was one of my first years teaching, it, it really kind of threw me off. And I couldn't understand why or how he functioned like that until conferences. Until conferences in October when his dad came walking in. And immediately I had one of those aha moments. And it all made sense. See, his dad was a great guy, and we had a great conversation. However, by the time his dad left, I had a much better understanding on why this student did what he did. And the reason was because the apple didn't fall far from the tree. That was really the case in, in this situation. So, in other words, the apple didn't fall far from the tree. That really means a parent replicates themselves in their kids, don't they? As parents... Hopefully this makes us maybe a little happy, but if you're like me, it makes you really probably more scared than anything. 
Um, <laughs> seeing our kids pick up everything. Um, and if you're a kid, it probably just makes you scared. So, and that's okay. But, but I notice this quite a bit in, in my own family. Um, in so many ways, I am just like my dad and mom. And in fact, so much so that other people who know my dad well will say to me, you know, you sound just like your dad. And I, I act, I can act like my mom and dad too. I, but I think I notice this principle more in my brother who clearly acts like my mom and dad. Um, but we can see parts of our mom and dad in each other. My, my sisters are very similar to my mom and dad in so many ways too. So kids, whether you like it or not, you will notice traits of your mom and dad in you. But why? Did you ever think about that? Why? Why is it inevitable that we reflect our parents in so many ways? Why doesn't the apple fall far from the tree? Or why does it fall far from the tree? And so parents, the reason the apple doesn't fall far from the tree is this. The reason our kids end up so much like us in many different ways is because as parents, we are all influencing our kids whether we think we are or not. Did you ever realize that? No matter what you do, you're influencing your kids. That even when they don't see it, all your little quirks, all the little things, all the things that we didn't want to pass down, we do. Because we, we influence our kids whether we think we are or not. And so th- this is actually evident all over our culture today. Um, if you look at family cycles of, of drug and alcohol abuse or, or just cycles of abuse in general or family dysfunction that continues from generation to generation, how is little Joey going to turn out? Chances are, look at mom and dad, right? Because the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And so I want to pause here and say this, though. There's two things I want to mention before we get into this today. Number one is thank God that it doesn't have to be that way, right? It doesn't have to be that way. When someone responds to God working in their life, those cycles can be broken, which is awesome. It's incredible. That's what God can do. In fact, you could ask my mom and dad about that. Also, I do want to recognize that all of us and all of our kids we really do have our own free will, okay? You can take every point discussed today and apply it perfectly, but ultimately each individual is responsible for their own relationship with God, right? So, this morning though, however, I want, I want us to realize this. We do have to realize that usually parents are the main influencers in their child's life, whether they think they are or not. However, they're not the only influencer in a child's life, right? As, as kids, if we're not listening to the voice of mom and dad or maybe even grandma or grandpa, then we're listening to another voice. And if you're not a parent or grandparent, this is your role this morning. The voice, this voice, this third voice, could be a brother, a sister, a cousin, a youth leader. It could be music that you're listening to, friends, a teacher, aunt, uncle, a pastor, maybe a friend of the family, a neighbor. It could literally be anyone. And so all of us sitting in the sanctuary this morning can find an opportunity to be a mentor. So personally, I find myself in multiple roles. And God has been bringing me through a process as it relates to mentoring or raising my own three kids, really trying to figure this out. And also as a pastor, 
um, when we talk about supporting parents as they choose to mentor their own kids. What does that look like? As, as parents choose to mentor their kids towards Christ-like living, as, as Christian parents, Kristen and I's number one goal in life right now is mentoring our kids towards Christ-like living so successfully that Anthony, Elena, and Aubrey follow Jesus their entire lives. And, and that's what we're going to be diving into this morning, mentoring kids who follow Jesus their entire lives. And hopefully, as parents, this is your number one goal, too. In fact, you may have heard the pastoral staff refer to this idea as Portview Kids and youth being the 25%. And if you haven't, you'll probably hear it at some point. And just allow me to explain this a little bit. There's research that I'd mentioned in a previous sermon that says how after high school, 75% of those who grew up in a Christian home and had Christian faith, walk away from their faith. There's a certain percentage who do come back. And depending on which research you look at, 75% um, is, is, when I went to a family ministry conference, was the, the numbers that they were using, which was really sad. But then, what about that 25%? And so, as, after we discussed this as a staff, we said, you know what, we want our kids to be the 25%. And so, that's our goal as you guys are raising your kids, we want to be able to help and support you guys in doing that to be, have our kids be the 25%. But the, the big question here, the million-dollar question is, how do you do that, right? Because there is no single formula you can follow to accomplish this. And isn't that really the frustrating part? Wouldn't it be easy if somebody could just give us that formula and say, if you do this, then they'll turn out like this. But we're dealing with people, Right? not machinery or anything like that. Remember, they do have their own free will. There, there are all different kinds of kids. You know, and every parent will say, man, you know what? Each kid is so different. How you parent them may look very different. And, so, and also, our culture really seems like they're trying to make it hard for us to raise our kids to follow Jesus at times, doesn't it? And so how do we accomplish this? And so this morning we're going to see what the Bible has to say to parents about mentoring kids. But then we're also going to discover some insights from people's personal experiences and look at a little bit of research. And last, we'll draw three very important conclusions this morning on how to biblically mentor kids to follow Jesus for life. And so first we're going to look to God's Word to see what God has to say to us as we communicate um, or what God wants to communicate to parents, to mentors, and to us as a church, and how he wants us to communicate it. So open up your Bibles, grab your Bibles, and we're going to look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, which has long since been used to really discover how to mentor your kids to live for Jesus for life. And so we're going to start at at verse number 4. We're going to read 4 through 14, and then... We'll jump over to verse 20. So Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. 
You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So it shall be when the Lord your God brings you into the land of which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a large, beautiful cities which you did not build, houses full of good things which you did not fill, hewn out wells which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant. When you have eaten and are full, then beware, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. You shall fear the Lord your God and serve him and shall take oaths in his name. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the people who are all around you. I'll jump to verse 20. It continues by saying, When your sons ask you in time to come, saying, What is the meaning of the testimonies and the statutes and the judgments which the Lord our God has commanded you? Then you shall say to your son, We were slaves and pharaohs in, of Pharaoh in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders before our eyes, great and severe, against Egypt, Pharaoh, and his, all his household. Then he brought us out from there, that he might bring us in to give us the land of which he swore to our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to observe all these statutes to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as it is this day. And so in those verses, there's a ton of insights, a ton of insights on how we can mentor our kids toward Christ-like living. In fact, Pastor Pete actually touched on this a little bit in his sermon last week, and so if you missed that, you can always go to the podcast and, and check that out. Um, but God gives us some incredible insights here in these scriptures, and the principles found in Deuteronomy 6 need to be used by parents today, too. Okay, But these principles, they cross generations and they cross cultures, and we'll take a look at what those principles are a little later. But as I was looking at these verses in Deuteronomy 6, the first question that popped into my mind was this. I said, but, but how does this look today? You know, I, you know, people don't literally aren't writing things on their doorposts and wearing something as a frontlet between your eyes as some kind of forehead jewelry. That doesn't happen anymore. So how does this look today? I wanted to figure out how this looked lived out today. What would I see parents doing to mentor their kids to follow Jesus for life? And so I discovered some research that, that uh, did just that, and I shared these stats, referred to them earlier. And so here's some of the details. With 75% of our students walking away, this research company decided to interview the 25%, and what they found, the 25% who stuck with their faith throughout, saying, why did they or how did they do that? And so they found four commonalities of this 25%. There were four things that parents did to show them how to live for Jesus. And so one was regular church attendance, which makes sense, right? Our relationship with God should be a priority in how we spend our time. So regular church attendance was number one. They also found that those families whose children stayed with them had family devotions, or at least an attempt made at family devotions, because that can be kind of tough. We're still trying to figure out what family devotions looks like with a nine-month-old through a seven-year-old. Um, our nine-month-old is not catching on. <laughs> She's just not getting it. And so, go back to the drawing board. Um, but the third thing, the third thing they mentioned 
was something called God talk, which means that that your relationship with Christ and, and your faith comes up in everyday situations. So when you interact with your kids, you're interjecting, well, this is why we believe that way. This is why we always tell you that you shouldn't be doing that, right? And, and you, bring, you weave faith into those everyday conversations referred to as God talk. And, and the fourth one was this, was simply serving um, in, in some capacity before age 12 so that um, they could get used to or they could see that serving was actually a huge part of Christianity because we are, we're all servants. Once we come to Christ, we become servants of God. We become servants of Jesus Christ. And so I first read this Deuteronomy 6, then continued on with, with this research about raising our kids to follow Jesus. And so, but I wasn't done there. So next, I wanted to talk to some parents who had successfully mentored their kids. Is that a good idea or what? Someone who's done it before. Okay? Someone whose kids were already grown and they'd continued to follow Jesus. And, and so I made a few phone calls and I ended up talking to two sets of parents who were in their early 60s whose kids were all passionately serving Jesus seemingly from a young age. And so after I told them what I was doing, I asked them this question. I said, what principles did you use when raising your kids that you think may have helped them serve Jesus their whole lives? And I maybe could have worded the question better. You know, There may have been a couple other questions that might have been good to ask, but I just simply wanted to ask that question. Very direct. And both of them, obviously talking separately from each other, different conversations, started with the same thing. You know what they said? They said, I don't know. <laughs> they did. They said, I don't know. I, we wonder, too, how these kids turned out so good because we messed up so much. <laughs> uh, and you know what a relief that was? Isn't that nice to hear? That despite us, our kids could actually still turn out pretty good? And so I actually found this very refreshing. And so if you're nervous, you can hopefully calm down a little bit. Like, you didn't, you didn't throw everything off. Because these parents said the exact same thing. And I thought, well, good. Then we're starting in the right spot. Because that's exactly how I feel. I don't know if my kids are going to turn out. Hopefully they do. But the first set of parents I talked to, I'd kind of heard different themes or different principles. And so as, as we were talking on the phone, I was writing just kind of writing down what they were saying. And so I took, I took six away from each conversation. And so with the first set of parents, um, one of the first things they said after that is they said, you know what, you need to practice what you preach. You need to practice what you preach. You need to live it out 24-7. You need to, you need to practice what you preach with you know, church and devotions and prayer. And it can't be a do as I say, not as I do. I thought, you know what, that's, I think that's pretty true. The second thing they said is, you know what? It's really hard. It's actually really hard to do. And I think, I think all of us who have kids realize that very quickly. It's, it's actually really hard. They said, but do the best that you can. The third thing they said is priorities. Priorities are a big deal. They said your priorities are God first, spouse second, kids third. Pastor Pete's message speaks a little bit more directly to that process last week. They also said this. They said, consistency and follow-through are very important. 
You have to be consistent. You have to follow through with what you say you're going to do, right? Even if it's like, why did I say that? <laughs> follow through is pretty important. Not that you can't take that away, but to mainly follow through with what you do. And they said, don't get too busy with everything that you don't give your kids the time they need. I thought, well, no kidding. But then I thought about that. I thought, man, that's really true. I can really get caught up in the stuff, the everyday stuff of life. And then I can look back and say, you know what? When was the last time I talked to Anthony about anything to do with Jesus? You know? When was I at all purposeful? You know, because I was so caught up in every day. And so the the last thing that this first set of parents had to say, and you know, they they said many other things, and if you want, you can come and ask me. I have the whole page of notes I'll copy for you. But they said simply this take God's word, believe it, and then put it into practice. Which is a very simple process, but is I'll go back to the second thing they said. It's really hard to do. It's a really hard process to do. So I thought, you know what? That's great insight. And I hung up the phone. There were a number of other things that they said, but very satisfied with, you know what, as a parent saying, man, that's that's something I can work with. So then in the second conversation, um, after them saying, you know what, I don't know, they thought about it a little bit. And it was interesting because you'll notice some of these things are different from what the first set of parents said. And not opposite, not you know, but but very different. And so um, I'll talk to you a little bit more about that later on, but as far as the conclusions that um, that we came to. And so the number one thing they said is, you know what, learn from others. Learn what did and what didn't work. Watch other parents, pretty much. You know, if... Um, if if parents you know are raising your kid you know their kids and they're growing up and you say man I really like the way that their kids are turning out talk to them figure out what they're doing watch them see what they're doing the second thing they said is they said I thought this was powerful they said show the relationship side of Christianity not just the rules and regulations man as a dad that's hard because <laughs> they need to follow the rules right. They do. They're supposed to. But I can't forget the relationship part of it because otherwise they'll just be following rules, not following Jesus. And so they said, you know what was another really important thing? They said there were other people that were influencing our kids. It's really true. That's why baby baby dedications are actually really important, not just for the baby. They're not going to remember anything that was set up here. It's really for us as a congregation. We have influence over those kids. We need to take that seriously. Another thing they said is, always make decisions about what is spiritually best, even if your kids don't like it. And I remember that being true because when we had Anthony, our our first child, um, it was four in the morning. Um, I was hungry from a long night of labor. And so I had <laughs> I had my mom and dad actually pick me up something to eat on the way to the hospital. I was just famished, you know. So up all night. I mean, you wouldn't believe how hard that was. And but I remember when my dad came to the hospital and he and he was holding Anthony and and 
he, he just kind of looked at me and had a smile on his face and he started laughing. I'm like, oh great, like what's going through his mind? And so, you know what he said to me? He just kind of chuckled and he looked over to me and he said, Paul, get ready to be the bad guy. And he just kind of laughed. And I'm like, well, what is that? It was like a special moment. You're telling me to get ready to be the bad guy. And, and, but he was saying this, you're going to be making decisions that are best for your kids and chances are they're really not going to like you for it most of the time, especially as they get older. And from what I hear, that's true, right? It's true. So I didn't appreciate that advice from my dad. <laughs> Another thing that the second set of parents said is they said rules were for a reason. Explain that to your kids. Use common sense with your kids. And then the last thing that the second set of parents said is they said, Teach your kids that life isn't about them. Hmm. <laughs> I, I didn't say it, they did. But it's true because we live in a culture that elevates kids above spouse and above God, right? Or at least it can, if we allow it to. And elevate any, anything else above spouse and above God. But I thought, you know what? That's really true. If If our kids can understand that Everything really doesn't revolve around you. That's a good lesson to learn. Because in life, everything doesn't revolve around us. Okay, And we either learn that, hopefully through our parents, or we learn that the hard way, don't we? We, we don't want our kids to have to learn everything the hard way. So after these phone conversations, Kristen and I started talking about what these parents said. And Kristen and I began to talk about our own journeys. We actually uh, both grew up in Christians' homes and have both served Christ, not perfectly, but tried to serve Christ our whole lives. And so we asked each other, why? Why did we continue to follow Christ when most of our peers walked away from God? As we were talking, I began to write down some of the things that we were talking about. And and Kristen brought had the, mo- the best things to say just because she's a lot smarter than I am. Um, and see, I can copy the, her list, too, if you want to see what she had to say. <laughs> Don't worry about mine. Um, but I, she, she said this. She said, you know what? I never saw life without God all that attractive or appealing. And I thought, well, that's cool. I hope my kids never find life without God attractive or appealing. But she said, you know what? Part of that is personality. She's, she's admittedly a, a rule follower, right, Kristen? And... And so she said, you know what, this is the way to go. This is the way I'm going to go. And I thought, well, man, that's a great way to pray. I want to pray that for my kids. She said, she told me a phrase, which I've heard a number of times, that her dad always used to tell her. Her dad would say, you don't have to stand in the manure pile to know it stinks. (laughs) There's a lot of truth to that, isn't there? Okay, so there you go. Wisdom from Kristen's dad. Um, the other thing she said is, you know what, there, we had a third voice. We had people investing in us other than our parents. And they echoed the themes that were, that they were hearing at home. Well, that's, that's exactly what we're trying to do as a church. Hopefully we're echoing what parents are already saying to their, to their kids. She said, we knew that people cared about us. They took interest in our lives that um, other people at church were very interested in. Another thing she said is my parents' lifestyle example. You know what? They didn't expect things of us they didn't do themselves. 
which my hats are off to her parents. And the la- one of the last things she said is she said, you know what, it was more about relationship than it was about the rules. You could tell that her parents really emphasized the relationship part of serving Christ. And so she was discussing that, and while she was discussing, we were exchanging ideas. And a couple of things that I remember and that I mentioned about growing up is um, I noticed right away the first thing that I said is my parents had a faith that they would die for. They were that serious about it. It it wasn't a strategy or a good idea. It was everything to them all the time, no matter what. And as a kid, sometimes that was exhausting. I'm like, oh, it's not that big a deal. And my dad, he's, you know, pounding the kitchen table about, you know, well, this is why, and this is why it's a big deal. And, you know, and it was hard to hear sometimes. But what I took away is, is, is they would die for their faith. It was serious. What I also noticed was their consistency. They followed through. They, they lived what they believed. And the other thing, the last thing that I had mentioned is, you know what? It was because, it was because of their expectations. or almost because I had to. Like, there's really no other way to live, Paul. You know? This is really the message that you heard. I, I remember um, wanting to, I was in high school, I could drive, and I was going to sleep over at a friend's house on Saturday night. And my parents said, yeah, that's fine. Just make sure you're at the 8 o'clock service on Sunday morning. Okay. So I brought my little alarm clock. I didn't have a cell phone then. And I got up. Everyone else has crashed. We were up super late. And, and I got up and I went to church because that, that was just the expectation. And my dad, uh, I had a healthy fear of my dad. So some of these principles we discussed were things that our parents tried to teach us, but most of them, I realized, were caught, not necessarily taught. That parents, we need to be aware of that, that our kids will learn more things being taught, or I'm sorry, being caught, maybe, than by being taught. In other words, your kids will learn more by watching you than just by listening to all that you have to say, which is kind of challenging as a parent. I'd rather they just listen to what I say. (laughs) So let's go back to Deuteronomy 6 and discover the principles God's trying to communicate to us about how to raise kids to follow God for life. What we're going to see is that these principles are also the same principles still relevant today according to research, according to successful parents, and according to personal experience. So since our kids, since raising our kids to follow God for life is really our number one job as parents, these three principles are actually really important. So principle number one is this. Live a life that demonstrates your relationship with Jesus is number one. Live it out. Live the example. Show them what it looks like to live a life where Jesus is number one. Your relationship with Jesus is number one. In order to do this, we need to allow our hearts to be changed by Jesus. This is what Deuteronomy chapter 6, 4 through 6 is talking about. Talking about having it in your heart to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. When we allow Jesus to change our hearts to look like His, the message we communicate to our kids goes from, I think you should follow these ideas to, 
follow me as I follow Christ. Which is exactly what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. He says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. The Apostle Paul knew what it meant to be a mentor. He knew that he had to set the example because there were people looking at him. Parents, your kids are watching you. They're watching your every move. If you don't believe me, I can tell you another story about fall conferences. Students, the younger kids in your school and in this church are looking to you. They're looking to you. Are we living a life that demonstrates that our relationship with Jesus is number one? Living your life as an example of how to be a biblical follower of Jesus is actually the only way to mentor kids to serve Jesus for life. If we try to do it another way, it's, it's fake, right? Our kids can tell if we're faking it. They can see right through that, and they need to see that our faith is real and authentic. We need to show our kids an authentic faith that takes God's word, believes it, and then puts it into practice. A faith like I saw in my parents where their relationship with Jesus was so real that it was literally something they would die for. And if we have parents, as parents don't take our relationship with God seriously, we shouldn't be surprised when our kids don't either. Set the example by, by being in church, by serving, by explaining the why behind godly decision making so that our kids can learn how to make godly decisions too. I, I love what Kristen said about her parents. She said, their lifestyle example. They didn't expect things of us that they didn't do themselves. Let's show our kids that being a Christian is more about following Jesus than it is about following a list of rules. If we can accomplish this, our faith will be easier caught by our kids. And let's first mentor kids to follow Jesus for life by showing them what it looks like to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And if you live a life that demonstrates your relationship with Jesus is number one, you'll quickly discover the second principle. And the second principle is this. It says, you'll understand that raising a child to serve Jesus for life is going to be full of very, very difficult decisions. It is. Verses 7, verse 7 in Deuteronomy 6 paints a picture of talking to your kids when you sit in your house, when you're walking around with them, when you get up, when you lie down. Put reminders about your relationship with Jesus on your hand, on your forehead, on your doorposts, and on your gates. This sounds like a lot of work. And it is. That's why the first set of parents I talked to said emphatically, it's hard. Raising kids for Jesus is hard. You're not going to be perfect, but with God's help, do the best you can. Here are a couple of things that I think will be really difficult when mentoring kids to follow Jesus for life. Some things that will involve some tough decision-making. The first one is setting godly priorities. Once again, it's easier said than done, isn't it? God first, spouse second, kids third. Raising a child to, to follow Jesus in our culture is also really difficult. So... D- Spend the time that you're going to have making difficult decisions, making those difficult decisions by showing them what your priorities are. Showing them what your priorities are. Raising a child to follow Christ in our culture is going to be another difficult, full of difficult decisions that you're going to have to make. 
Because believe it or not, our kids are not going to be surrounded by a lot of other kids who are living for God. If you haven't realized that yet, we're realizing it very quickly. Hopefully in Portview Church they are. When they go out into the world, there's not a lot of other people that you'll find taking their relationship with Christ maybe as seriously or having it be such a priority. So we have to understand that when we tell them they can't behave in a certain way, we'll need to do a little bit more explaining to our kids. When we told Anthony, who's playing Little League this year, that he would have to miss his Wednesday night games because uh, that was church night, we explained why. We told him that our relationship with God comes before anything else, and going to church is really a huge and important component of our relationship with Christ. And so it's the it's this same proclamation in a culture that's not seemingly going further away, seemingly going further away from Christ. It's the same proclamation that Joshua made in Joshua twenty four fifteen when he said, "As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord." We need to be consistently setting those expectations for our kids, and this is why I appreciate what that second set of parents had to say. They said, "Always make decisions about what is best or what is spiritually best." even if your kids don't like it. But let me give you a warning first. Before we go out and start making demands and rules, put all these rules in place of our kids, we have to be reminded that of one thing that Dr. James Dobson is famous for saying, and it's this. He always says, rules without relationship breeds rebellion. I think it's true. If you try to do this without working on the relationship piece with your kids, it's not going to work. Verses 10 through 14 speak to this difficulty of mentoring in a culture like ours. In verses 10 through 11, it describes a life richly blessed by God, a life in which you have it all, a life where you have eaten and have gotten full. It's really describing our current culture, or the American culture. But what happens? Look at the warning it gives in verse 12. It says, Beware lest you forget the Lord, who blessed you and gave you everything you have, brought you to where you are, Verse 14 warns against not going after the gods of all the people who are all around you. Isn't this our culture? And that situation is going to cause us to make really tough decisions. Don't succumb to the God of sports, to the God of more stuff, or to the God of recreation. Another, a, a third, third topic that's going to be, I think, really tough to make some choices on, will be, who are you allowing to be the third voice for your child? Mom and dad are really the first and second voice, or maybe mom and grandma, or you know, however your situation is. Who are you allowing to be that third voice? The third voice is someone or something other than mom or dad speaking into someone's life. And, and really all of us can be a third voice, when a third voice is echoing what mom and dad are saying, the third voice is positive. However, if that third voice is sending an opposite message, that's when conflict with mom and dad can arise a lot of times. For some kids, that third voice is music, TV, it's friends, maybe it's an older sibling. Parents, are you allowing, I should say, are we allowing a negative third voice to speak into our kids? Are we allowing... Are we allowing a negative or a positive third voice for the people that you're mentoring? Portview Church is a place where our kids can receive a positive third voice. 
We are determined to support parents as they raise their kids to follow Jesus for life. And all those decisions, although these decisions about culture may be difficult because of our current culture, remember to always choose to do what is spiritually best. And that's going to be hard. The third principle is this. Mentoring kids to follow Jesus for life will be the most rewarding aspect of your entire life. The most rewarding. When you mentor kids, your kids like this, you will usually find that you have gone from a life lived maybe more selfishly to a life lived with more eternal purpose. The first set of parents put it this way. They said, and in my conversation, I wrote this down in quotation marks. They said, you know what? We couldn't be happier. Because of how we chose to raise our kids, we didn't have to go through half the stuff I hear from other people. What a great perspective to have, isn't it? That, and, and it's cool because some of you are living that perspective right now where you can look at, at your kids and they're serving Christ and you can say, you know what? I couldn't be happier. All my kids are serving Jesus. What a great perspective to have. Some of us are still praying very earnestly that we're going to be able to say that someday. To be on the other side of raising kids and to be able to say, man, I couldn't be happier. To know you lived a godly example and made the tough decisions and spend the rest of your life watching your kids or your grandkids or your great-grandkids follow Jesus the rest of their lives, that's got to be rewarding. What a perspective to have. I don't know about you, but when I'm rocking in my rocking chair, I want to be able to look back at life with an eternal perspective, having mentored my own kids, grandkids, and any other child that I'm a third voice to towards living for Jesus their whole lives. And I say to myself, yep, hopefully I can say, yeah, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And the incredible thing about mentoring is this, that anyone can do it. See, mentoring is a little bit more purposeful. We all have influence over a lot of people, but when you make your influence purposeful, that's when you begin that mentoring-type relationship. And so parents, we need to mentor our kids towards Christ-like living. Grandparents, mentor your grandkids. Students, there's a whole room of preschoolers down the hall who could use a godly third voice in your life, in their life. You don't have to know everything to be a mentor. You just have to be a little further down the road spiritually than someone else to be a mentor. Students, there's another room full of kids' church kids, elementary kids, who think you're the coolest thing around. And although we all know you are, they need to show, or they need to see, that it's cool to follow Jesus. They need to see that. So what you do is a big deal. Because they're watching you. My three-year-old daughter, Elena, seems to copy everything that a middle school or high school girl does in the way she walks, to her attitude, to anything else. It's a big deal. They're watching. So we want to be a church made up of healthy families who live for Jesus. We want to be a church where mentor relationships are formed, not just in classrooms, 
It's not about taking good classes. It's not about having a lot of classes. But we want to see mentor relationships formed in cafe, in the cafe or in connect groups or in your house. So the question for you this morning is, who does God want you to be a mentor to? Who does God want you to build a mentor relationship with? It'd be very easy for um, one of our students who just graduated from high school, Tyler Vogie, to mentor my son Anthony. Because almost every Wednesday, Anthony's in the youth center after church on Wednesday, and Tyler's playing basketball with him. So what Tyler says to Anthony, Anthony's going to take. Because they play basketball together. He thinks Tyler's one of the coolest guys around. And Tyler lets him beat him every once in a while. So let's, let's allow God to help us see who we're supposed to be mentoring. Who are we supposed to be influencing and investing in? And when you do that, you're going to be able to live that eternal perspective that all of us really want to live to say, man, I couldn't be happier. I couldn't be happier. Would you please stand with me this morning? Imagine if we, if Portview Church, filled with families who are mentoring their kids, filled with grandparents who are mentoring grandkids, filled with students who are mentoring those younger kids, we could be the church of the 25%, where our kids follow Christ for life. And I hope you guys agree with me, that's our goal. Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't that be incredible? Let's, let's pray this morning. God, we just want to thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that your word gives us an example of what it looks like to help our kids be that 25%. Lord, to be the right kind of people so it's good when the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Lord, that we can be purposeful in our mentor relationships and we can look to Deuteronomy chapter 6. We can look to so many other scriptures that show us exactly how to do that. And Lord, it can be the most rewarding thing when we have been able to help our kids live for Jesus for life. But Lord, it's hard. Our kids have a free will. Our culture doesn't seem to really want to cooperate with that. It's difficult for us to set that example. But God, through the power of your Holy Spirit, it is not only possible, but it's very, very probable. It's a thing that can really happen. And Lord, I pray that each one of our hearts would begin to grab hold of that and be able to say, Lord, help me to be purposeful and specific with who I'm entering. Help us to speak into other people's lives. Help us to be the third voice that we need to be to all the kids and young people surrounding us. Lord, help us to be a third voice to the adults. Help grandparents to see their role in mentoring grandkids. Help us as parents, God, not to get distracted with everything else that the world wants us to do. And help us, Lord, give us the strength each and every day to be able to focus our attention on raising kids who will follow Jesus their whole life. 
that that's everything that we do, that our decisions are based on that, on what's right spiritually, what's best spiritually. And Lord, if we do that, we'll be able to be like these parents who are able to look back and say, man, I couldn't be happier. I'm so proud of my kids. It's just so fun to watch them grow up. Lord, help Portview Church to be the church of the 25%.